Hi there, Docolo. I'm very excited that you are here with us. This is the Documenteers podcast. We discuss documentary films. By we, I mean myself, Bob Sham, and another recurring enthusiast. And I'm excited to do our first official episode for our second annual Herzog Month. Happy birthday to Werner Herzog. I believe he turned 77 on September 5th, according to my deep resources acquired through Wikipedia. September 5th is also the last day you can vote for the Documenteers for Best of Nashville. You've probably heard mention of it throughout August, and I appreciate everyone who wrote us in. Not sure how it pans out with listeners out of state, but you know what? No matter what, it's going to be all fucking fine. This episode is Akil's first ever Werner Herzog documentary, and it's one that I've often heard discussed, and it's probably one of Werner's most watched films. You know it. It's a doc that sticks to your ribs once you've seen it. Of course, we're discussing the story of Timothy Treadwell and his intense passion for grizzly bears. Herzog's 2005 film, Grizzly Man. We found it on a Tribeca app. I started a free trial that I will probably cancel after I finish this recording. How's that for a promotion? Get the Tribeca app, free trial, watch Grizzly Man, and then cancel before seven days. We duck dirty around here. Next week on the show, Eldridge returns to discuss a film in which Werner is a centerpiece, but it's not the director. It documents Werner's intense experience during the filming of Fitzcarraldo and all the quotable turmoil that ensued. It's called Burden of Dreams, and it was directed by Les Blank, the same guy who directed last Friday's Shorties episode, Werner Herzog Eats a Shoe. I'm very excited to sit with that one. I'll probably watch Fitzcarraldo too, but it won't be required to listen. I can't wait. So be here next week on this damned podcast. Music stuffs you briefly hear consists of the following. The Welcome Back Cotter theme. The song Dig by Mudvayne. Yes, I said Mudvayne. A Barbra Streisand rendition of the song A Sleepin' Bee that I pulled from a 1961 episode of the Jack Parr Show. Bust a Move by Young MC and the song Coyote by Bob McDill, which was which closes out the film we're discussing. I also want to say, because we didn't say it in the episode, that the original music in Grizzly Man was done by a British musician, Richard Thompson of Fairport Convention and Richard and Linda Thompson fame. I'm a fan, actually. Also, the fellow Sven, who gives us an indigenous culture perspective on Timothy's actions in this documentary, was from the Alutiq tribe, A-L-U-T-I-I-Q tribe, up on the Alaskan Peninsula. Just thought that identification merited some importance. Documenteerspodcast.com Five stars and a review on Apple Podcasts makes us love you. And let's move on to this film about a guy who is dead that we probably make fun of too much. But hey, if it don't scare the cows, then fuck it. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I'm out in the prime cut of the big green. Behind me is Ed and Rowdy, members of an up-and-coming sub-adult gang. They're challenging everything, including me. Goes with the territory. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. I must hold my own if I'm going to stay within this land. For once there is weakness, they will exploit it, they will take me out, they will decapitate me, they will chop me into bits and pieces. I'm dead.
Akil. Hey. A special, special fucking day because you and I get to break in properly our second annual Herzog month. What we're going to talk about today, we should get into it because we've got a lot to talk about here, I'm sure. Do we? I don't have much written down. Over how, how many pages of notes do you have? Uh, I've only actually got two pages, but everything's very tightly That's, I got, put look together. At, look at my style. It's very loose. You're kind of spread out all over the place here. I spread. You're a lot larger than I do. I'm too. good at spreading, and it's very... Um, you know, I go up and down like I take too many spaces. I don't. I'm very vibrant. I'm out there. Uh, hey, do what works for you, man. This is note talk. <laughs> Welcome. I dig your font. <laughs> <laughs> but this is your first Herzog movie, it is. isn't it? I, I lost my Herzog cherry with this movie. You're gaped full of Herzog. Yeah, now. it was uncomfortable as you would expect. Yeah, your first time. There were times when I was intrigued by what was happening. Have you heard? Had you had heard of Timothy Treadwell? I think I may movie? have seen him on like some sort of, I don't know, talk show or so, something like that. Like sure, Discovery Channel or one of those nature shows that comes on on Saturday. I, I feel like I'd seen him at some point before. Right. I think when I had first seen this movie, he seemed very familiar. Like I had seen him on something. Werner Herzog narrates this documentary as he does many of his documentaries. Okay, so that is something. That's a that's a Herzog thing. Yes. Okay. That voice, that Herzog voice. Because initially, I was like. Is Arnold Schwarzenegger narrating this? Because they have <laughs> he's similar affect. Well, that there you go. Werner's German. Well, but still, like not too, have, not too different. Does it really honest. matter? Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry if to any Austrians, but or Germans out there. Often, when Herzog is narrating his documentaries, Werner for me violates all the rules that I think I do or don't want to see in a documentary. Yeah, I was kind of feeling and the he, same way, and he breaks all those rules. <laughs> Often. And in this one, often he's such a focus. It can't help it. Just He's just got this personality. This movie, we've watched enough to see him be very warm a lot of the time. But in this one, Werner comes off quite bleak and through much of the movie. And usually Werner draws so much focus, but the guy he's got the camera on or the footage that this guy made that Werner uses, this Timothy Treadwell guy is so unique yes that his voice almost it's kind of like shared he almost eclipses Werner somehow in his own movie grizzly man we're talking about motherfucking grizzly man (laughs) yep grizzly man who is grizzly man not to be confused with grizzly adams is that a documentary uh no that's a tv series from the 70s it seems so real didn't it it does he's hugging that bear gentle ben yeah but he's not a gentle ben that's a different show what was the name of his bear? I don't remember. It wasn't Ben, though. But he hung out with a bear and he hugged it. Yeah, yeah, he hung out with a bear. That's why they called him Grizzly Adams in the mountains. Does anyone born after 1990 know what the fuck we're talking Probably about? Probably not. I feel like Gentle Ben was actually 60s, but I saw it in reruns. An 80s childhood was watching a lot of leftover shit from the 70s. That's very true. Which is, we're watching like Taxi and yeah. Welcome Back, Cotter and shit. And that's still my go-to stuff. Like, we don't have cable. Yeah. So we get shit like Me TV, Antenna TV, and I will sit back and watch a freaking episode of Maud followed by All in the Family. That I feel that like makes me Jeffersons. think of you. Like if anyone <laughs> would own all of Welcome Back Connor on DVD, I think it would be somebody like you. Huh? Nah. No? Not that show. You picked one show that what, I've never been a fan of. What, really? You didn't like, oh, Mr. Connor. Yeah. Mr. Connor, oh. Porsche? It never did anything for me at all. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Up your nose with a rubber hose, Akil. 
I thought Gabe Kaplan was just the worst actor <laughs> on the planet. I, I think I might still feel that way. It was all about Horshack. It was all about Vinny Barbarino, Jefferson. Uh, also known as Joe Jackson, the father of the Jackson family and the amazing Jackson's The American Dream miniseries from the early 90s. That actor? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. If you've never seen that miniseries, that he practiced to watch That he practiced by actually hitting children? I, possibly. It, yeah, you should you should check it out. Okay. Try not to think about the pedophilia that comes later, but... But who can forget that Horshack? He was like the screech before there was screech. Oh, oh that's perfect. He totally was. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. The pre, the proto screech. <laughs> Dustin Diamond, you ain't shit. Horshack. Wait, didn't they get in a boxing match? I think they did. Holy actually. shit! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. And Dustin Diamond, I think he won, and he just looked like a giant bully. <laughs> I'll take Horshack over Screech any day of the week. Hell yeah, Horshack for life. <laughs> But I hate that show. What about your favorite head of the class character? Oh, that would be uh, probably I'm- Dennis Blunden. <laughs> I don't remember their fucking names. I was like, the nerdy one? <laughs> they were all nerdy ones. We're introduced to Timothy Treadwell, and he talks about bears, and he talks about himself while talking about bears. They're challenging everything, including me. goes with the territory. If I show weakness, if I retreat, I may be hurt, I may be killed. I must hold my own if I'm going to stay within this land. He's a kind warrior. Most times I'm a kind warrior out here. Most times I'm, I am gentle. I am like a flower. I am like, I'm like a fly on the wall, observing, non-committal, non-invasive in any way. A samurai. Occasionally I am challenged. And in that case, the kind warrior must, must, must become a samurai. I love it when people co-opt Eastern ideas and culture. I wrote the exact same thing down in my notes. <laughs> to make themselves feel better about whatever the fuck they're doing. What the hell is a kind warrior? I don't know, but it became a samurai. The kind warrior, I guess, is the warrior who only kills... Only murders <laughs> bad people. <laughs> Maybe. I imagine he's the, kind, he's the kind warrior of the bears. He protects bears. I love them with all my heart. I will protect them. I will die for them. But I will not die at their claws and paws. I will fight. I will be strong. I'll be one of them. I will be the master. Timothy Treadwell, in case y'all don't know, he dies. I wrote down (laughs) just about every other sentence this guy said in my notes. It's like, (laughs) at one point he's like, Give it to me, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Give it to me, baby. He repeats things a lot, like when he gets pumped up. One of my favorites is, I will not die at their claws and paws. I liked it when he said, I can smell death all over my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Werner is narrating. As if there was a desire in him to leave the confinements of his humanness and bond with the bears, Treadwell reached out seeking a primordial encounter. But in doing so, he crossed an invisible borderline. 
he begins to narrate over Timothy's footage. Half of what we see in here is footage that Timothy shot because for the last several years, he's been going out to this area near the Kodiak Island into the grizzly maze in this protected area. It's like a federal reserve. Yeah. And he and he's there and he hangs out with the bears and he's really into the bears and he's really into the bears. Really, really so into the bears. Love you, Rowdy. The word bear sexual is not used. There's one point where he's like, I forget the name of like the bears, but he's like And I'll tell you something. If Saturn was a female human, I could just see how beautiful she is as a bear. I've always called her the Michelle Pfeiffer of bears out here. All right, you lay there. I'm going to go off with your girlfriend. She's a very attractive bear. <laughs> I see the attraction. <laughs> I think that if the opportunity had presented itself. Yes. He totally would have. Yeah, if they yeah. presented. He, maybe he, he was just waiting that whole time for them to present. Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. A very big bear. Wow. <sighs> anyway, he's over here rub-a-dub-dubbing. We gotta look. It, this guy is such a target. In he terms really of is like ragged, really easy target. But he's fucking dead. We gotta keep in mind he's dead. Yeah. We're gonna make fun of him a little bit. Yes, how can you not? Yeah, he's got a haircut that a five year old has. I mean, he's got a lot of things going for him. As far as making fun of. <laughs> and uh, oh man, there's the things that I kind of like about the guy. He seems very passionate. There's this thing that bugs me sometimes where people, they can't feel the inspiration without injecting themselves in their, every facet of it. Yeah. Like nothing can ever just be objectively beautiful right. and not require your voice. Thank you. Thank you. Everything just has to have your skull like inserted in it. Look at how many times have you seen people, they'll, they'll travel and they'll take a selfie of their face, right? And they'll be like, I'm in New York. And it's like their face. <laughs> And what is behind them, you can barely make out to be maybe a building. <laughs> you could be anywhere. Yeah. Whole time. And that's what everything is. This, this. Like this guy's, he's in every shot. I yeah. mean, I, I'm hard pressed. There aren't very many shots in the documentary where it's just the bears and him speaking about the bears or even not speaking about the bears. He's virtually in every single shot. Man, Treadwell would have crushed it on Instagram. <laughs> He would have. He was. He was a little before his time in Which terms is of a, social media. It's a really dumb way to film yourself with a bear. His back is always to the bears. When yeah, he's, and it's like, yeah, you maybe shouldn't turn your back on him. He's constantly having to look over his shoulder. He actually made me very angry. Emotionally, you get very split on him, and the people that Werner talks to throughout this movie, they give a very a varied amount of opinions you get people that are like this guy was a fucking he fucking had it coming yeah and other people that just seem very sympathetic to him and we talked to an inuit man who's provides a another unique perspective of it which is what i was thinking yes up to that point and i was so glad someone finally said it like he did not he's not actually doing anything to help the bears yeah <laughs> if anything and we'll get into exactly what he might be yeah. doing but Werner. I guess look through over a hundred hours of footage of accumulated of the last five years of Timothy's life. And Werner describes Timothy as having crossed an invisible borderline. But he loves some motherfucking bears. I love you. I love you. And he's the protector of the bears, Achilles. He's got to protect them against 
poachers. He's the hero. He's the samurai. Samurai. The kind warrior samurai of bears. Kung fu. Bear sexual warrior. It's David Carradine, basically. He taught kids, never took a fee. He would go during the summers and to the tail end of September, then fly back. So he's going there at a time where bears are generally generally pretty well fed. They're able to find their own food. Bears can be extremely dangerous, but if they are getting a consistent diet, and aren't being fed by humans because that can make shit very dangerous when humans feed bears. And it doesn't appear that Timothy is doing that actively, but he does manipulate the environment. Yeah. And I mean, that tripped me out when I was like, he just changed the course of a stream. Of a stream. Because salmon and fish, they weren't starting their runs because I guess it was a bit of a drought one year. And he, and he changes rocks around because he's got a lot of fucking time on his hands. <laughs> And yeah, so there's like some question of that. It's like, you know, nature does its thing. Were you really supposed to do that? They mentioned in the documentary how he didn't, his his view of nature was only seen through one prism, basically. His perspective was all about the beauty and the splendor and majesty yeah. of nature. And he was never able to come to terms with like, well, there's another side to that. Yeah. You know, where there's death. And, and I love, <laughs> and Vernon Herzog comes in at that scene here I differ with Treadwell. He seemed to ignore the fact that in nature there are predators. I believe the common denominator of the universe is not harmony, but chaos, hostility, and murder. Oh, that, that, <laughs> that's the kind of shit that gives murder hits very um, somber uh, reputation. If we were watching other movies, I could show that, you know, maybe he's like, a, he's a much lighter guy. He likes opera and love, loves a big deal with Werner. But he's dealing with the chaos of nature and he's looking at the hubris of an individual who thinks that they somehow have manipulation over it and who project themselves onto it. We talked to Warren Queenie, he's a friend of his, and uh, he talks about how his wife screamed and he saw Timothy on the TV and he's like, he knew, he knew. But he did say, not necessarily a surprise. But he said that Timothy doesn't feel dead. This guy, he was very... Timothy was a very out loud guy for a guy who liked to be alone. But how alone was he? We'll get into that later. But this is all, a lot of this took place at Katmai National Park. And Timothy, as we said, self-declared protector of bears. I love them with all my heart. I will protect them. I will die for them. Immediately, we're talking about very quickly that he's dead. It doesn't make any, it doesn't hold back on it. It's like, oh, he got eaten by some fucking bears. Yeah. Willie Fulton. Former, I like the title said former rodeo rider, <laughs> Willie Fulton. He's a pilot. He really got to know Timothy because he would take him to the spot a lot of the time. And he seemed to have a lot of compassion for Timothy and a lot of embitterment towards the bear that killed him. Yeah. I mean, actually, the bear that wound up killing him was a, uh, just a dirty, rotten bear that he didn't like anyway. You know, and he wanted to be friends with, but it never happened. He was just a nasty looking bear, but he came across the campsite and he found it. He saw a rib cage and saw that bear that killed Timothy, like gnawing on his rib cage. They go into very graphic detail uh, about the actual massacre itself, like multiple times. It's not just this guy. Yeah. We can talk about the corner in a little bit. Yeah, there's bit. a corner, dude. The exact guy. Oof. Willie would <laughs> strafe. He got back in the plane and tried to strafe right over to get the bear to, he tried to shoo the bear off. But it was late in the season, and this bear was like, he wasn't, 
one that was identifiable as far as what the other bears that had been in the area. Willie brought back some rangers, some officials, and they ended up shooting the bear. They don't show a lot of gore, but we do see a bear with his claws cut off. Yeah. Like they cut him open. And they said that there's at least two trash bags full of human remains inside the bear's stomach. Again, very graphic. And it wasn't just Timothy that died, unfortunately. It was uh, his girlfriend. Yeah, we think girlfriend. But we, but we see Tim uh, talk to a, a bear, his name that he calls Ollie, Oli, Oli. Oli, the big old bear and the big old grumpy bear. He just um, took Cracker out of the uh, the creek area. He's got names for all these bears. And there's so many names. So many names. And he talks about how old bears are very dangerous. It seems like Timothy, when he talks, is like a, at least a quarter percent right. He is talking about some educational shit. A lot of it seems like stuff you could learn through a Wikipedia read of bears. <laughs> He does really want to educate people on bears. One of the things I found intriguing was the fact that nothing in his background indicated any sort of knowledge of bears or wildlife for that matter. Like, yeah, he just kind of went from one thing to another and became an alcoholic at some point and then met a bear and changed his life. Like, it seemed like based on what we, the more we got information about Timothy's past, the more mysterious he kind of seemed. Yeah. It just seemed like the way they described him was he was a full-time addict and alcoholic, and then he loved bears. <laughs> <laughs> and he was almost Woody on Cheers. Oh, and he he worked at a restaurant, I think, at yeah, some point. That's where he met Jewel. Yeah, Jewel. Uh, who, Not the singer. <laughs> and Jewel, who broke out with her album, Pieces of You. It was huge. <laughs> Who will I mean, save your soul? She was from Alaska. We could have seen right into that. And, Whoa. Yeah. We go back and forth to Timothy talking about uh, bears and back to Willie talking about how the rangers found his head. Right up top of the hill here is where we found what was left of Tim's body, his head, and a little bit of backbone attached. And we found uh, a hand, arm, wristwatch still on the arm. And that watch we later found out still ran. Can you imagine? Must be a Timex. Timex, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. There's so many names. There's one female bear he calls the Grinch. Oh, hi, Grinch. Hi. And she has kind of an aggressive attitude. <laughs> and he does that thing. He's like, I love you. 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 I'm sorry. Oh, he says that so much. It's going to be so hard not to clip every fucking weirdo <laughs> shit this guy says. I love you. I feel horrible, but that that really made me want to punch him in the face. I I feel bad just saying that. It was just so much. It was so much. I love you. I'm sorry. Well, and... a bear punched him. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Look. Okay. Rest in peace, Timothy yes. Treadwell. No one deserves what he went through. But but like if you lay down in traffic. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you could still be sad that he's gone. Like that guy said. Not necessarily a surprise. Everyone knew this was how he was going to go. He knew how this was how he was going to go out. He made reference to that. He, he, uh, to that a few he times, seemed so. to have a real fear of it, too. Yeah. One interview, one of the most negative uh, criticisms of Timothy we get is from a guy named Sam Egley. Oh, this guy, the helicopter pilot. I'm Sam Egley. Yeah, he he's kind of harsh. Those bears are big and ferocious, and they come equipped to kill you and eat you. And that's just what Treadwell was asking for. He got what 
he was asking for, he got what he deserved, in my opinion. You got to give him some points. I mean, there's, but here's the thing. He he kind of projected a little bit on the situation in, in his own way, in his own negative way. I think the only reason that Treadwell lasted as long in the game as he did was that the Bears probably thought there was something wrong with him, like he was mentally retarded or something. Mentally, mentally retarded. retarded. <laughs> he was harsh, but right. But at that point, it's like, okay, what are yeah, you talking right. about? <laughs> That's exactly why the Bears would have left him alone. This couple friend of theirs, um, the Gaties, they read hate mail that was sent. Stereotypical environmentalist. Just as long as the donations keep coming, furthering the anti-human eco-religion as a noble cause. They're basically like anti-lib shit, that kind of shit, yeah. like like Fox News comment threads or some shit. And one was like criticizing him as an anti-human environmentalist. And that was that was an interesting term that I would hear, <laughs> anti-human. Do people think that environmentalists are X-Men? That would Homo be superior and that they're human is like they're anti-human. We got to get rid of them before they take us over. They and apparently, uh, no one thinks about the fact that you know that environment you actually you're a part of it. So yeah, can you right. be anti-human and be and, and because you're pro-environment? Like it's such a bizarre way to look at really people is. who want to like protect animals and they're anti-human. It's fucking weird. <laughs> X Men. What the fuck does that what mean? What are they doing exactly? I guess, makes them I guess maybe they'll be like, well, they won't let these humans graze 5,000 cattle anywhere they want. They're anti-human. <laughs> maybe our people who are anti-environmentalists, they look at animals like they have superpowers. Maybe it's jealousy. Again, like humans looking at the x They just want to pop their claws. X-Men. Bears have claws. They're super strong, right? bugs and birds they fly are far-right people just jealous look the animals are not x-men the environmentalists are not x-men <laughs> okay you've won as far as humanity goes you're crushing it. yeah we're totally correct that's actually the problem you're you're over crushing <laughs> it so hard that you're crushing yourself in about 40 years it'll be irreparable now verner's got some mixed feelings regarding Timothy's pursuits, but he does, as a filmmaker, praise Tim's footage. He captured such glorious improvised moments, the likes of which the studio directors with their union crews can never dream of. Tim has some amazing fucking footage of bears and other wild animals in their natural habitats. It's actually very impressive what you can see with the film that he made. Yeah, I agree. Would have been more impressive if he wasn't in virtually ever shot, but Yes. You know, but even those scenes, like they, a lot of them just piss me off. Still, right. like you should not be this. The, these foxes should not be getting accustomed to being around you yeah. all the time. Like it was both cute to watch him because the foxes seem to be like, yay, buddy. Yeah. Again, he didn't seem like he was feeding them. That's a good thing. He basically set up his campsite right outside the, the den. 
they didn't have any choice. If they yeah. wanted to get out of the den, they had to walk by this weirdo who was posted outside their house. I think he was camped between two fox dens. Yeah, so eventually, you know, they got to just decide, well, are we going to go out and actually hunt? Are we just going to sit here and starve because the douche won't go away? <laughs> right, so right. So just kind of started to get used to him being around, and it's just not – that's never a good thing. Like, wild animals should never get accustomed to interacting with humans. You could tell Timothy wanted to get to the point where he could ride on the back of a bear <laughs> – he did some very impressive things getting close to them, but he never got to be go full bear sexual. But the foxes were fucking taking naps on top of him and shit. And he was like, hey, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. Did we mention he loves animals? I love you. I'm sorry. Specifically bears, but his love does extend to numerous other species. Uh, we mean other bears, uh, Mr. Chocolate. Hey, Mr. Chocolate. Obviously. And his uh, brother, you can tell. And uh, he's going to the grizzly maze with Aunt Melissa. That's the name of a bear. It's not his actual aunt. Bears like Aunt Melissa. Bears like Demon Hatchet, Downey, and Tabitha. And it's time for me to go to protect them. Where he comes up with these names, I do not know. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. He's talking to these bears, and then but Werner Werner compliments certain points in a lot of the films that he shoots. And you'll notice that Werner is taken aback, not by the times where Timothy is staring at the camera and saying something, but these very small moments in which Timothy is kind of doesn't appear to be in control of anything. And where like bears are set up and foxes are just running in. It's just like a nice shot. There's a part of like a trail that was made where Timothy has his camera set up and then he walks away and Werner comments on the serenity of this moment yeah. without Timothy in it where you actually just see this square of nature and there's, and it actually seems very serene. In his action movie mode, Treadwell probably did not realize that seemingly empty moments had a strange secret beauty. Sometimes images themselves develop their own life, their own mysterious stardom. And Werner takes notice of that. He thinks a lot of what Timothy has done is amazing but it's not the shit that Timothy rehearsed and controlled. Right. It, that's just kind of like what you got to sludge through this, to see some of this amazing shit that Timothy actually made. But this, but it's funny because you remember in, um, I was actually talking about our Bill Murray episode with a friend recently. We were talking about the Sadie cats. The, the thing, and the things that stood out in that episode were not the stuff that she wanted to talk about. It was like the weird phone call with the dude who's trying to score a date. And it's like, in the reality, those moments that she didn't really seem to have total control, that should have been what the movie really, yeah, truly yeah. was about. Like the underbelly of C-list Hollywood. Making like promises. Sick of fancy. Yeah, yeah. But Sadie thought it was all about her carrying a bunch of balloons. Timothy has a similar problem that Sadie has. He's up in this shit, but the best shit that's there is not the shit where he's like trying to like educate you on the bears firsthand. It's the shit where he shut the fuck up and there's just footage. Just yeah. And the thing is, if he actually, if he had something remotely interesting to say about the bears, then that'd be one thing. Like, well, he said their names were Mr. Chocolate and Aunt <laughs> Melissa. I mean, there's no, it's not, he's not shooting a nature show. You know right. what I mean? He's like he's not an, an educated person who went to school to study yeah. zoology or whatever you need to study to then go out into the field and with your wits and your actual knowledge 
yeah. be able to not just observe but also record and like it's it's furthering he the knowledge of, and he just like hangs out with the bears his, like there's no can we talk about what he was wearing i think he maybe had the right boots on but he kind of had a trench coat mafia vibe. <laughs> he wore this like long black jacket around it's like a duster almost yeah i i think he would think it almost did look like a duster it was a weird thing to wear because you see people from that area and you see what they're wearing overalls are your basic canadian tuxedo yeah they're in alaska but you know what i mean <laughs> but he's like looking like trench coat mafia like he's gonna go hang out in the mall in 1998 with, with his uh with his disc man and he's listening to and his do-rag like mud vein or something <laughs> just it's been a while since we've done a new metal reference so i just want to <laughs> mud vein Forgot, forgot about that one, didn't you? Sure. <laughs> a lot of Timothy's actions and shit, he almost seems like a cartoon character. Yeah. Like there's a part where Ghost the Fox steals Timothy's hat. <laughs> oh, God, that scene. Ghost, what are you doing with that hat? Ghost, that hat is a very important hat. Drop it. He wanted Ghost to take that hat because Ghost was like gnawing at the hat. And, yeah, and then well, he made like this, take it. Then he made like this big thing, like, "Why are you taking my hat?" I think in Timothy's mind is like, "This is great television right here." I can't believe this, Ghost. Ghost, where's that fucking hat? You better not take that hat into your den. Hey, that don't hat's you important. Dare. If it's in the den, I'm gonna fucking explode, motherfucker. <laughs> Listening to him cuss. <laughs> Was like listening to like an eight-year-old try these words out for the first time. Fucking nobodies. Fuck. Fucking fucks. Fucking penis. We talked to Larry Van Dale, and he talked about how uh, when other people, I don't know where he got this. Maybe he just heard about it or Timothy told him, but he was talking about if other people showed up near his habitat, he would growl at people like he was a bear because he was a bear sexually wanted to be full bear or trans bear he wa- we know what he wanted i'm not even sure how to respond to any of those statements what's your email let's just move let's on. move on <laughs> we talked to sven hawkinson who runs the bear museum i think around the kodiak islands and he talks about how tourists keep trying to like saw the hands off their bear displays they made it sound like there was a riot of tourists, like the way they described the way they described what happened. Yeah, I was expecting to see shattered windows and broken display cases, and it was like this all that had been taped back onto a stuffed bear. Interesting thing about the, the indigenous Americans is that sometimes when people really want to attune with nature, uh, like your your colonial descendant people will like really project themselves like the way Timothy does into the environment. Instead of just kind of like observing. But indigenous culture, true environmentalism is a part of their cultural history. Yeah. So they are instinctively in pursuit of a balance within nature. And so Sven says something very interesting that probably the most rational perspective we hear in this film. You know, he tried to be a bear. He tried to act like a bear. And for us on the island, you don't do that. You don't invade on their territory. Um, you, when you're in their territory, you know you're there, and when you're nearby, you make sure that they know you're around. Um, 
you know, for him to act like a bear the way he did would be, I don't know, to me it was the ultimate of um, disrespecting the bear and the, what the bear represents. But he tried to protect the bears, didn't he? Uh, I think he did more damage to the bears than he did. Because when you habituate bears to humans, they think all humans are safe. Where I grew up, the bears avoid us and we avoid them. They're not habituated to us. If I look at it from my culture, Timothy Treadwell crossed a boundary that we have lived with for 7,000 years. It's an unspoken boundary, an unknown boundary, but when we know we've crossed it, we pay the price. Sacrilegious, almost, to, to assume that like you can be like a bear, when the truth, you need to figure out how to live alongside them right. without being each other. Yeah. There's a reason you're this and that they're this. You can't make that change. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Or you're going to get eaten. Or there's a middle part in there Ooh. that we're not thinking about. Okay. I'll let you know when I figure out what it is. Oh, right. Because <laughs> right now all I got is bear fucker. <laughs> <laughs> bear sexual. <laughs> and want to be a bear. Like that's all I got. We Bestiality mean, and transbearism. Transbearism. You know that's what Timothy fucking wanted. Transparent. Coming to oh Amazon my God. Prime. And that's a solid gold idea. You heard it here first. <laughs> we gotta you gotta get the web brow. You gotta yeah, get the yeah. website when you get home. Yeah, transparent.com. You got a month. All right. All right. They give Timothy's wristwatch taken out of evidence. I guess they I guess they know what happened. They don't need to hang on. Yeah. I was like they said evidence. I was like evidence of what? Yeah. What are you like investigating? It seems pretty cut and dry to me. Yeah, it looked like a bear fucked him up all right. <laughs> they give it to Jewel Pavolak, Pavolak. The person that gave that to her. Yeah. Who was that person? I think he was just an official some okay. local so cop. He said that he felt like he should give it to her. But doesn't he have parents who were actually related to him like wouldn't they be the ones who would get any we meet them later but yeah they you can't just give a dead person stuff to some a friend because you feel like they would want you to have it like that's not your job to make that decision jewel dated timothy for a while and was a friend and was a partner in the what do they call it grizzly people they started an organization called grizzly people yeah which put a lot of thought into transbearism that, that just adds more it does Werner, Werner Asser. Jules Pelovec, um, you were very close to Timothy Treadwell. Do you sometimes feel like his widow? And uh, I guess, yeah, she kind of does. And she's getting all the, she's like co-producer of this film too. Yeah. She tells a delightful restaurant story about how she met Timothy. I met him in a restaurant. We both worked at this place called Gulliver's and it was um, a prime rib restaurant. It was huge and theatrical. Well, Timothy was a squire because it was set in the time, it was based on Gulliver's travels. Oh, uh, the meat cute. Everyone like brace yourself for this one. This is just so fucking adorable. <laughs> And he was kind of fun, and I didn't really know who he was. And one night, I just wasn't in the best of moods. I had a huge table, a family of people that wanted me to make it the best dining experience of their life. Do it up big, make the soup big, you know, use the vernacular. You know, there was grandmas and babies and, and hairdos and coats. And so I thought, you know what? I'll make it. I'll make it big for you. I'll make it really big. You'll never forget this birthday. That's definitely the most interesting story in the whole film. 
So one of the parts was you'd take the soup cart and you'd light it up with this gas so that the soup was bubbling and boiling. You could smell the deliciousness. And um, I decided to make it really big. So I trailed a little bit extra of the lighter fluid around the polyester cloth. Even more than the bear slaughter? <laughs> yeah, this story is more interesting than him being killed by the bear. The soup exploded. The people screamed, the fire went everywhere. So I was called into the office in the next couple of days. And who do I see when I sit down in the office waiting like you're, you're in the jail or you're in the principal's office? I see Timothy Treadwell. No, it's not. <laughs> but Jewel, be careful of those uh, soup carts, girl. I was like, hey, how are you? I go, I've seen you, I'm Jewel. He said, I'm Tim. And I said, what are you in for? And he said, oh, I'm in for walking funny in the dining room. He said, what did you do? And I said, I lit the soup cart on fire. And he said, that was you? <laughs> Comedy. And you know, um, it uh, wasn't love at first sight, but it was certainly kindred spirits. Timothy's a lonely man. You can tell that by how he pets a fox and says, Hey, thanks for being my friend. Thanks for being my friend. I love you. 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 Oh, Timothy. I love you. I love you so much. I love you. I'm sorry. Werner reveals that he's actually a very methodical filmmaker and he would do multiple takes oh over and God, over. Oh my God, so again. many takes. Like, dude. There's going to be a number of takes I'm going to do. These are called wild Timmy jungle scenes. We're going to do several takes of each where I'll do it with a bandana on, maybe a bandana off, maybe two different colored bandanas. Some without a bandana, some with the camera being held. I mean, what else does he have to That's do? That's true, yeah. Also, how does he keep his gear charged? So the basic deal is, too, that this stuff could be cut into a show later on, but who knows what look I had, whether I had the black bandana or no bandana. Uh, very rarely the camo one, but I like the camo look. Solar, maybe? Generator, yeah, maybe. So, probably, no, a, solar, probably a generator. Solar tech in the early 2000s was quite expensive yeah, at that time. It was probably some kind of generator. Uh, Banjo the fox is missing. Where's Banjo? Oh my God. Has anybody seen Banjo? Timothy, we also hear Timothy say, this is interesting. Lord, I do not want to be hurt by a bear. I do not. I guess to him, that's like getting punched in the face by your mom. <laughs> or your lover. And then he talks about uh, his relationship problems. I always can, cannot understand why girls don't want to be with me for a long time because I have really a nice personality. I'm fun. I'm very, very good in the, uh, well, I, you're not supposed to say that when you're a guy, but I know I am. They know I am. There's some implication that we meet at least three different people in this film. One says it was purely uh, like a platonic friendship, but at least two women in here, including Amy. Amy is the one that died with him in the camp. Right. Tim Timothy wanted to put on the air of loneliness and solitude, but for the last, I guess, couple of summers, I guess his girlfriend Amy was there. Yeah, she went with him the last three years, I think. But maybe when he was going on this rant, she wasn't there, but he was talking about how, why don't girls want to be with me for a long time? For a long time. Meaning he pulls them in, and then they're like, why do you think? I'm trying to figure out how he could even pull them in. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, look, he's in decent shape. Not a bad. He's got a five year old's haircut, but he's not in Once he opens his mouth, like, so you're you not just head for the hills. I was about to ask you, why can't he keep a woman for a long period of time? <laughs> Let's get into more detail. Kill. Why? Why do you think 
Why? If I had to guess, and I, I could be wrong, I hate to make assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has, again, a super annoying voice. I love you. I'm sorry. Oh, Beyond that, everything that he says makes you want to punch him for the most part. The kind warrior must, must, must become a samurai. He should talk how he thinks a bear would talk. How old do you think a bear would talk? I Ooh. love you. I love you. Hi, I'm Mr. Chocolate. Hey, Mr. Chocolate. I love you. I love you too, Timothy. I love you. I love you. I love you too. I love you so much. <laughs> Mr. Chocolate, no, we can't. Also, he's gay. <laughs> I mean, let's just be real. You think I could be you wrong. Think he's gay? Uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I don't think he's gay. Uh, he says I gotta that, go with my gut. I mean, I don't care either way. He's making his case on camera to the ladies that'll eventually watch it. It's too late, but he says he doesn't. Too soon, Bobby. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> he says he doesn't fight and that he's very passive. I don't fight with them. I'm, I'm so passive. Bit of a patsy. Which is that a turnoff to girls to be a patsy? I mean, it's not. It's not that I'm a total great guy. I don't think women like conflict, but if you're overtly passive. It'll, you'll, you don't want to, you want to be someone who at least can like assert an opinion sometimes. Well, but do we really know that he's passive? Like that's true. This could just be him. We haven't seen him smoke on, up our ass. Yeah, but I've seen nothing from him. That's true. That makes him seem like he's a passive person. We haven't guy. seen him on cocaine. I bet when he brings up, maybe we have seen him on cocaine mm-hmm. a lot, and we just didn't know it. I think he's high on bear. Well, they didn't find any drugs. I think in his system, they didn't really get into what they found when they dug him out of the bear. What was in his stomach when they pulled him out of the bear? That's what I want to know. Probably poop. Because he loves some bear shit. I can feel the poop. It's warm. It just came it just came from her butt. He's really fascinated by bear shit. This was just inside of her. My girl. I'm touching it. It's her poop. It's Wendy's poop. You figured he would have seen a lot of it at that point. Yeah, but apparently it never loses its luster. But <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> I'm jumping ahead. Um, There's Timothy, just so much. Timothy says something that like lonely straight guys have often said. I always wished I was gay. It would have been a lot easier. You know, you can just ping, ping, ping. Gay guys have no problem. I mean, they go to restrooms and truck stops and they perform sex. It's like so easy for them and and stuff but you know what alas timothy Turnbull is not gay bummer i think there's this view by straight men lonely straight men that gay men have zero standards whatsoever they just fuck all the time just two gay guys see each other yeah they're gonna go somewhere and knock one out like it's like look if you go to certain environments you'll find women to you know maybe you have to go in certain places like not where nothing but bears are where that requires passwords and special knocks <laughs> where you can probably find women that will give you what you want yeah or at least you can pay for it right no judgment but he wants bears but he wants bears he i think he meant to say i wish i was a gay bear because big gay bears have it so easy <laughs> you could just snap if you're a gay bear you can snap your fingers just like that and have any other bear dude you want <laughs> aunt susan you can get aunt susan yeah, it's so annoying when you hear straight guys say shit. Like it's like it's like something people would say back in like nineteen ninety seven. Yeah. 
It's like, doesn't everyone want like a booty call from time to time? Doesn't so everyone much, want to take it slow? It's from so time much to time? easier. They don't have to talk. Like you're, you're, they're projecting their own like heterosexual <laughs> wants from their partner. Like, yeah, they only don't have grunt. to have a conversation. Just yeah. get right down to it. Like, yeah, they don't. That's even, what you want. <laughs> they don't have to make eye contact. <laughs> they don't have to know one another's names. He confesses a lot of this uh, to a fox too, as that sits there. As one is wont to do. The fox shit is kind of amazing. It is kind of adorable. Yeah, you get lost in it. Sometimes. You do. I kind of want to be friends with foxes too. They're pretty cool animals. You notice you never see them roadkill. It's because they're smart as shit. Yeah, yeah. And they're very impressive animals, and we do have them around here. I've seen them. Yeah, there used to be like a family of foxes up on Ellington Parkway, which is a busy through fair here in Nashville, and. Yeah, I I would see one there consistently. It's like, and that was when I realized I'd never seen a roadkill fox. There's a reason why we have the expression slides a fox. Yeah. They know how to handle this shit. I and, respect that. And and sexy as a possum, too. Unlike some animals. <laughs> Talking to you, squirrels. Yeah, squirrels. You were almost across the street, and then you randomly dart back. Come on, squirrel. Or you wait until the last possible second before you dart out into the street. I've watched you on the curb yeah. for 30 yards. You had a chance and you waited. Look at bird squirrel. Look how close they let the car get and then managed to go by. <laughs> I've actually hit a bird before in my car. And when they slap the windshield, they mistime it. <laughs> it's very sad. Uh, Where were he, we? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Tim, Timothy's very lonely. And that's when we really are introduced to Amy Huguenard. And um, Amy, like we said, Amy was there for the last few years. It was said that Amy was scared of bears. Like, she told Timothy she was afraid of bears. I don't feel like they spent enough time on her. She, uh, she gets She's a, barely a blip on the radar. Well, in, the, in the, all the footage, Werner points out that all the footage, hundreds of hours, you're, you only see her like two or three times. Yeah. Her family declined to be interviewed or anything like that. So, there just wasn't a lot to go on. So, unfortunately, Amy is only seen as you could look at it as someone who accompanied Timothy or was manipulated by Timothy into her own death. Right. It seems like you can look at it in only one of those two paths and you can understand why her family doesn't want to tread, go go back over that. You can't blame them for not wanting to discuss it, but it's unfortunately unfortunate because we don't really get to know Amy the way we get to know Timothy. And I think one way that Timothy did do a disservice to Amy beyond just like making her go back into this position and there's actually a reason why they die. There's a reason why they get killed because things were a little different when it happened. Right. Because Timothy so wanted to do the solitude thing. There, there even there's even a part where uh, a water plane, whatever they call it, a skimmer or something, is delivering supplies for him. And he tells the lady, he's like, "No, I'll take this. I'm supposed to be alone." Yeah. Part of the mythical character Treadwell was transforming himself into required him to be seen as being completely alone. He was mostly alone, but he did spend time with women who will here remain anonymous. The truth is that Amy Huguenard accompanied him for parts of his last two summers, a fact which was out of step with his stylization as the lone guardian of the Grizzlies. It was very selfish in it that really way. Was. Well, I wonder if it was that, but it's possible that she didn't want any part of that aspect as well. And we really don't know, but 
I, I would lean more towards him winning Hog every single Me moment too. of overtime. It's kind of like Thoreau. Uh, I think he wrote Walden, and that's about writings about how he was alone up in some New England yeah. forest. But as I understood, his family was like bringing him food and shit. It almost reminded me of that. <laughs> Timothy was like the Walden of today. Not as good a writer, I would bet. <laughs> but Amy, yeah, is an unknown. And, you know, if Timothy, who controlled so much narrative of this, it's like, if you're going to share this moment with someone, this is a bad idea. I mean, because he's basically telling a lie by, I mean, he's pretty damn alone. He's more alone than most people choose yeah. to be. But he's not alone. I mean, it's not just her. But he doesn't need to, like, add that layer of lie for it to be impressive. Yeah. It's still, you're still getting, you're still booping bears on the nose when they come up to you. Like, it doesn't, it's not really going to change that much to acknowledge that someone is with him, you know? He's just a selfish bastard. I wish he was alive today just so I could tell him that that was a poor filmmaking choice. Less of you is more. Yeah. It is so more. Uh, that bear thought that too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super sad about Amy. Uh, yeah, that, I mean that. I think the first guy, the one that said that he was mentally retarded. Oh, yeah. one thing he did say that I agree with was like the you know the tragedy is that she died with him. Like he brought her. Yeah, yeah. You kind of would... sounds like she didn't even really want to be there to begin with. You saw his writing on the wall, and we'll get to we'll get to why they truly were gone because there is a reason. So that's when we talk to the forensic autopsy guy, and he describes what he heard on the tape. What I had were body parts, just the visual input of seeing a detached human being before my eyes makes my heart race, makes the hair stand up on the back of my head, particularly in combination with the contents of a tape, an audio tape, that is the sound portion of a videotape, And when I find out from other investigators that the shoes neatly placed at the entrance to a tent and the cap left on a camera so that the visual part could not be recorded, yet the tape is running so that we can hear the sounds of Amy screaming and the sounds of Timothy moaning. This is amongst the most infamous parts of this film. This guy is getting wood the entire time he's talking about it. He is so excited to recount every seedy little detail. This event occurred very, very quickly, suddenly and unexpectedly. I clearly can hear her screaming, stop and go away. Maybe run away. There's a lot of background noise. Timothy is moaning and I hear Amy beating on the top of this bear's head with a frying pan. And Timothy is saying, run away, let go. Run away, run away, Amy. Run away. You know he's listened to that tape multiple, multiple times. He probably made it's a copy. It's his job. He probably made a copy. I bet he has one. He goes home and strokes one out. Every once in a while. <laughs> his eyes got so huge when he was talking. Like he was just so enraptured by the whole thing. He was almost foaming at the mouth. It was. I was like, dude. But he's also at the same time he's being very descriptive. But he's also describing Amy and Timothy in heroic manners, like how they fought for each other, how Timothy was like, you got to run away, you got to run away. And Amy chose to stay and fight. Man, you really wished Amy ran away. Yeah. If that was the case, you really wish Amy ran away. But this audio comes from a camera with the lens on, and it was running. Maybe Timothy pressed it right before the attack occurred. 
but Jewel has the camera. Thank God his parents don't have this, actually, Ugh. because on the camera, it's blacked out, but you can hear the audio of them being killed by the bear. It does not play in this film. It's tested out by Werner. Jewel had not heard this. Werner sits and he listens to the audio. Jewel Palavac allowed me to listen to the audio. I hear rain and I hear Amy, get away, get away, go away. Then the camera's zooming in on Jewel. Her face is just blank. Yeah. Like, I don't even think she's actually looking at Werner. I, I feel like she's yeah. looking over his shoulder, sort of off into the distance. The camera just holds there. We don't see Werner like straight on. And it's not unusual to see his face in his documentaries. But in this one, you hear his voice and you see the back side of him while he's listening to this. And you could tell that he's getting very emotional, even though you don't see directly on yeah. his face. Can you turn it off? It's a part of why this specific scene is so memorable, because that emotion is still there, even though you can't directly see what Werner's going through. And he tells her, Jewel, you must never listen to this. I know, Werner. I'm never going to. And you must never look at the photos that I've seen at the coroner's office. I will never look at them. Yeah. You should destroy it. They said it was bad. I think you, you should not keep it. You should destroy it. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. Okay because it will be the white elephant in your room all your life. Do you think Jewel destroyed it? I don't think she did. Oh, man. I wouldn't. If I had it, I wouldn't. It would just be too much for me not to do yeah. it. Yeah. I know it's fucking weird and gross and horrifying. And I don't know that I would ever listen to it, but I don't know that I'd destroy it. I mean, well, yeah, exactly. Because it's still a last moment of someone I would live with. Love. I would live with the white elephant. Yeah. But make no mistake about it, what Werner was listening to in that scene was horror sheer fucking horror someone two people being eaten alive yeah. and mauled by a grizzly bear and then we see two big ass bears wrestling and one of the bears takes a big shit while fight shits the fight never shits. seen fight shits before that was amazing yeah so they don't call him sergeant brown for nothing they were going to town on one another man. yeah like clamp down onto one another's face one one bear wouldn't let go yeah which one it was mikey lost it was sergeant was it yeah, Sergeant Brown. Sergeant Brown versus Mikey. Sergeant Brown did a number two while fighting uh, Mickey, and their goal was to hook up with Saturn. And this is when we hear Timothy say, And I'll tell you something. If Saturn was a female human, I could just see how beautiful she is as a bear. Woo. It seems like Timothy can pull women in initially. I think by his passion, they like that he likes animals because I think, you know, when you meet someone like that, it's like, oh, wow, someone is very passionate. Very com compassionate. And then I think when you're around that person for a long time, it's like, yeah, now I just wish they'd be quiet. I would I would know within 30 seconds of meeting him. Like, <laughs> nope. Akilah, 30 seconds, you would, Timothy. You're like, I am not fucking this guy. <laughs> then we meet Val and Carol Dexter. Timothy is born in Dexter, but he changed his name to Treadwell, but it was a family name. They revealed that he grew up in Long Island with four siblings. They said that he was a normal kid and never had any trouble. I was like, uh, normal kids have a little bit of trouble. Yeah. That seems that, that doesn't seem normal to have zero trouble. 
He could be pretty good and still cause a little trouble. Yeah, they're probably looking at him through rose-colored glasses. Their parents. He had a pet squirrel named Willie. Um, that's cute. Remember, we shaded squirrels earlier, but do we want to take that back now? Willie was probably just as much of an asshole as any other squirrel. Uh, Willie looked fucking stupid. <laughs> Timothy went to college and lost a swim scholarship. He uh, hurt his back, and he was drinking a lot. Then he moved to I California. I wonder if he hurt his back because he was drinking a lot, or he started drinking a lot because he hurt his back and lost a scholarship. Who knows? I would say if he doesn't remember hurting his back, it's the last. <laughs> he hired an agent and changed his name to Treadwell. And he tried acting, and apparently he was on some game shows. And get this, Akil, did you know that Timothy, he alleged to have come second to Woody Harrelson for the bartender role in Cheers? I did know that, actually. So Coach dies, the first dumb bartender in Cheers, and then they have to replace him with, they would had the choice of Woody Harrelson or Timothy the Grizzly Man Treadwell. I think they made a wise decision. They I made think it, it worked out. Made the a way very good choice. Supposed to because I. Woody's great. As soon as I heard that, I kept trying to picture from what I had seen at that point, <laughs> this guy as Woody, and just nah. how that would change the whole dynamic you, of the show. There's no other that character. There's no other Woody. Yeah, yeah. What do they have called him? Timmy of Timothy. Probably got the role. Cheers on Netflix. Check it out. Great show. I love it. Wife hates it. It's actually one of my favorite sitcoms. Hates Cheers, loves Frasier. Yeah. That's my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Frasier's okay. Yeah, it is. Good show. You know, when Frasier went solo, he filled more of the Diane role. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) Is it? (laughs) We've got to find that uh, episode of Love Connection that Shredwell was on. also said that Timothy was pretending to be an orphan from Australia. Timothy seemed to separate himself from his family. Not sure why, but he pretended to be an Australian orphan. Even did some research in a small town in the outback. You gotta live a lie. Yeah, do the research. But they said the accent wasn't that great. But it was just like, why? Why? Timothy is a strange dude. (laughs) He wants to be everything but whatever he was born to be. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) There was a part where. He, uh, like a bumblebee, was on a plane. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> Isn't this just so sad? This is um a bumblebee who expired as it was working at doing the pollen thing on this Alaskan fireweed. And it just is just, it's really touched me to no end. It, it went, it was doing its duty, it was flying around, working busy as a bee. And it died right there. He's dead. He's like, it's the saddest thing. And it just died in the middle of doing what it loves to do more than anything in the world. And it's it's just such a sad thing. And then cut. Well, the bee moved. Was it just sleeping? That's the kind of commentary you get from a real nature expert. (laughs) There's a song called Sleeping Bee. It's a classic. There's a reason why the song was written. Sometimes a bee just gotta take a fucking nap. Uh, there, that's a real song, yeah. Sleeping Bee. Yeah, I'll find it. You know, I it's will. It's a great song. Barbara Streisand's version's the best. A little sleeping bee told me I will walk with my feet off the ground. Werner sub- describes, he actually provides some actual education throughout this where he states that. Because Timothy finds, like, dead bear parts, like, especially baby bear skulls and parts. 
Male bears sometimes kill cubs to stop the females from lactating and thus have them ready again for fornication. Now we get some facts about bears because now remember Timothy is the great protector. He, he's the poacher blocker. But he is not the bear expert. It's said that 35,000 brown grizzlies are in and around that Alaskan island in the Kodiak. It's said that 6% of the population can be hunted to safely maintain the numbers. And apparently that's enough for a lot of the locals because, you know, you kill, you hunt a bear. I guess you got a lot of cool shit from it, right? Do people eat bear? Is right. it, or is I it think just you, for the sport? I think in those regions you can eat bear. I think it's definitely possible. I mean, we get black bears out east. Um, I don't know if people eat those. I wouldn't be surprised if they did. I wouldn't eat a, I wouldn't eat a Tennessee bear. Why? I don't know. Probably, probably all wiry and <laughs> <laughs> messed out. <laughs> so, despite the fact that Timothy is the Lord Protector of these bears, the truth is, poaching is not as big a concern around here as it has been in Russia, for instance, and some other locations. There is some poaching that occurs for gallbladders. There are some bears that are just killed wantonly because people don't like them or because they're afraid of them. But for the most part, here on Kodiak and on the Alaska Peninsula, it is a very rare occurrence in the last 20 years. There's other parts of the world where it's more common, but in the area that he chooses to go to to protect, they're actually not really that threatened. They seem to be fine. There seem to be plenty of bears. And he sees the same bears every year. Right. What what does that tell you? (laughs) That maybe it's not that big a deal. (laughs) Timothy uh, finds what he calls intruders. It seems like people with some film equipment docking, probably shooting some nature shit. And there's a bear, uh, Quincy, Quincy the bear. Hey, I'm motherfucking Quincy the bear. <laughs> Why are you throwing rocks at me, motherfucker? Shit. Mess with that motherfucker, boy. I was thinking of Quincy, the TV show. Yeah. Jack Klugman. And this is interesting because. You don't care. You don't care about Jack Klugman. No. I, haven't, I never saw that one. I know about it. I never saw it. <laughs> Fuck Klugman. <laughs> there, I said it. <laughs> Fuck Klugman. Wow. A little controversial, I know. Damn. Now, this is interesting because Quincy the Bear is trying to approach the people, and the people are very rightfully trying to get the bear to just fuck off. And they're throwing a rock at it, like, go away. Right. And as the rock hits the bear, Timothy's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that's it. That's enough of this. That's all I can't. I I hit Quincy. I'm sure the bear was fine. The bear was fine. It probably got a little stunned at worst. But but the people, they don't want to kill the bear. They want the bear to go away. Right, exactly. But the reason the bear seems so apt to approach them... Is because that motherfucker has been hanging out with the bear for 13 years. Yes! (laughs) He named this bear Quincy that he hangs out with. Quincy's like... This dude will let me hang. Oh, look, more long pigs. And then approaches <laughs> a boat full of dudes, and the dudes are, like, throwing rocks at him. And I'm sure Quincy was like, how come these long pigs don't want to hang out with me? They're not like that other long pig. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> Timothy is, gets very paranoid. People know he's there. People know he's in that environment. He approaches a log that says, hi, Timothy, carved into it. Hi, Timothy. See you in summer of 2001. Now, it doesn't say, hi, Timothy, we're going to fucking kill you. It doesn't say, hi, Timothy, uh, you're fucking dead. We're going to chop your legs off. Hey, Timothy, get the fuck out. 
it just says see you in two, summer 2001, but it is some sort of a warning. It is some sort of a ha-ha. Um, I don't think it's friendly. I thought it'd be funny if he like actually carved that four years prior and he just forgot about <laughs> yeah. it. There's a happy face on a rock that he interprets as he only- He thinks it's so spooky and it's, it's way worse than leaving a message saying, we're gonna come back and kill you. And then we go over where my bear-proof barrels would be and we find boulders piled up. Boulders piled up and a happy face indelibly painted into the rock, like looking at me. Very, very frickin' frightening, huh? <laughs> Whoever put it there knew what they were doing. Dude, someone probably was just there yeah. And just for shits. On just, a hike. Yeah. Just carved a smiley face while they were sitting drinking some water or something. They're like, I hear that bear sexual Timothy lives, hangs out around here during That's the summer. Let's put a smiley face on over the, on this rock. They could just been trying to say hi. Like he's here by him, quote unquote, alone all this time. Now, Timothy gets some oppositions with the National Park Service. The people whose job it is to literally protect these bears and maintain their population. They tell Timothy that you got to move your camp a mile every week. You can't stay in one spot for a week. You have to move a mile out. Which is the law. And Timothy's like, but I'd have to move out of this area of my bear buddies. I'm not going to do that. So he, so he hides his camp in some brush, which can actually be very dangerous if someone just tramples onto you or yeah. whatever. Also, oh, he's not supposed to go within 100 yards of bears. And he violates that rule on camera. He constantly. violates the hell out of that rule. One thing they don't mention, I did a little bit of research before I watched the movie. Oh, go ahead. Um, so he was, he ran, he had run-ins with the park service a lot while he was staying on that island and told him that he had, he was required to keep his distance from the bears. He had to move and that he was supposed to be carrying uh bear repellent spray with him, which is like a pepper spray. Kind yeah, of thing, right. basically. He refused to do it. He said he used it once. And he felt so guilty for hurting the bear that he like cried <laughs> for hours. And so he refused to ever use it again. And it's like, if you had just had that on you, maybe you'd both still be alive right now. Like it's just pepper spray, dude. It's, yeah. People get sprayed with it all the fucking time. I've sprayed myself with it for like a bit in a bar. My people are always getting hit with pepper spray by the cops. Okay. <laughs> it's totally fine. The bear will survive. Both us and everyone we know have been pepper sprayed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's the kind of crowd I'll this run with. pepper spray country around here. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that. People think of us, you know, the hot chicken, pepper spray. It's pretty much pepper spray on chicken, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Timothy goes off on the park services. I will continue to do this. I will fight them. I will be an American dissident if I need be. There's a patriotic time going on right now, but as far as this fucking government's concerned, fuck you, motherfucking Park Service. I beat your fucking asses. I protected the animals. I did it. Fuck you. Animals rule. Timothy conquered. Fuck you, Park Service. Werner defends the Park Services. It is clear to me that the Park Service is not Treadwell's real enemy. There's a larger, more implacable adversary out there. The people's world and civilization. Ah, Timothy, I'm getting a bad feeling about you. He only has mockery and contempt for it. 
Well, I saw you on David Letterman. You're <laughs> fairly entertaining. His rage is almost incandescent artistic. The actor in his film has taken over from the filmmaker. I have seen this madness before on a film set. This is a long tirade that he goes on. Yeah. We, don't, we don't hear most of it because Werner comes in and sort of starts to do some narration. It's very eloquent. This, so if I get very like, angry, I start getting real belligerent. Like, I kind of understand this. And he just kind of loses it. He's very up and down. Fuck them. Fuck them. I beat you. I beat you, motherfuckers. I beat you. Beat you. Fuck you. I beat you. I beat you. I'm the champion. I'm the fucking champion. I beat you. I beat your fucking asses. Fucking losers. Fucking nobodies. I'm no health mental expert, but it seems like there's some bipolar qualities going well, on. Well, someone, I can't remember who it was that mentioned, um, I think it was his platonic friend whose house he would stay at. He like he would keep his stuff there when he yeah. would fly out. Kathleen she, Parker. Yeah, I think she mentioned that there had been some discussion when he was younger about, you know, him probably needing to be on medication because the, the highs were so crazy high and the lows were so super low. And he said that he couldn't he needed to have both. He yeah. couldn't be in sort of this weird middle space. Like he in order for him to really truly live life, he had to be able to have access to both feelings. Yeah. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprising if he was actually bipolar. Well, it is his life. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, for, and my favorite, one of my favorite quotes uh, from his buddy, whose name I can't remember. And there's an old saying on the farm, if it doesn't scare the cows, who cares? Well, I don't think Timmy ever scared the cows. So who cares? He, yeah. just, he describes this as an old saying that yeah. I have never heard before. Yeah, if, I kind of like it, though. Yeah. Very folksy. I'm, it I'm really into it. Is. Willie and Jewel and Kathleen, they take a mixture of Timothy's ashes that's combined with bear hair and herbs. Yeah, it's like ash potpourri, basically. They spread his ashes and they say, he's here forever. You did it, Timothy. You're up in the bear's grill forever. We're, we're approaching the end here, closer to the moment, and the why we had to lose Timothy and Amy. It said that Timothy, he'd returned to the Kodiak, and had an altercation, this is through Werner's narration, quote, an altercation with an overweight airline employee. I wonder if this was in Timothy's diary, because it mentions that he has a diary, was fat shaming the airline employee in his diary. But Timothy, because of this altercation, they're probably like, don't bring like bear shit onto the plane. Something I'm sure that was completely reasonable. Yeah. And he was just like, what do you mean? This is life. And he goes into one of his low lows, I suppose. And he decides to return to the grizzly spot. And Amy is with him this whole time. She doesn't leave his side. Amy seems like a very loyal friend. And she's wary, but she goes with. But here's the thing. Every summer, at the end of every summer, he would leave. This time he goes back when the fall is beginning. Animals are starting to go back into hibernation. Food is starting to become a little more scarce because the bears are supposed to have fed all throughout the summer and half the fall and then go sleep for a long time throughout the winter. So when he comes back, all of his bear buddies, Mr. Sergeant Brown, Mr. Chocolate, Saturn, Mikey, Daryl, Quincy, Pookie, Pookie, Yogi, Aunt Sally, Tone, Junebug, um, Pete, Fifi, Babe Bro, Timothy Jr., Tumbo. Timothy Treadwell Jr., yeah, 
Jumbo. Yeah. Punky. Dumbo. Also. Yeah. And Winky. And Mumbo. All from the same litter. There's a lot of bears. A lot of bears. A lot of names. And don't forget the fox, Radical, and Ghost. Yeah. And. There's one more. Banjo. Yeah. Anthony Hardaway. (laughs) Penny. Penny. Call him. Call him Penny. Yeah. All those bears were hibernating. (laughs) And some new unknown bears moved in. Of course, it's Timothy, so he can project friendship onto any creature. He just thinks all bears love him. If a bear is starving, it will eat its own young. That's the thing. If a bear does not get enough to eat for the summer, it will fucking eat its own young. They will attack each other if they see that another is weak enough. Now we get shots of a bear called Bear 141, and it's alleged... And I, I think it is Timothy and Amy's killer. And we see Amy in a shot with a bear. She doesn't talk much on camera, but we see her in a shot with a bear with Bear 141 that would come back later. And um, they think it's Bear 141. And Werner is talking about what he sees in the eyes of Bear 141. And what haunts me is that in all the faces of all the bears that Treadwell ever filmed, I discover no kinship, no understanding, no mercy. I see only the overwhelming indifference of nature. Not your friend, buddy. Not your friend. Then the autopsy guy comes back. Amy Huguenart was screaming. All of a sudden, the intensity of Amy's screaming reached a new height and became very, very loud. And she really now was screaming at the top of her lungs. These horrifying screams were punctuated by Timothy saying, go away, leave me, go away, run, get out of here. In other words, Timothy is trying now to save Amy's life because Timothy realizes at this point in time during this attack, Timothy knows he's going to die. He knows that. He's talking about the tape you heard. Yep, and he loves it so much. My sense of listening to this tape is that the bear let go, probably let go of the top of his head where I found massive lacerations, that is, tears of the scalp away from his head. Suddenly, though, the bear, after letting go, grabbed Timothy somewhere in the high leg area. But again, he makes it, he even talks about how the bear had a hold of Timothy's head and then moved to another. scalp off and then went down to his, like, yeah and but he paints amy as it's it's actually kind of nice in his own way he's painting amy as being very brave for standing up for her friend and timothy also to be very selfless for begging amy to leave run away because there was there seemed to be a part of timothy that while he was scared understood that this might be how he dies but amy it's just unfortunate that she just had to be dragged into she this. Really should have run. She really should have listened to him. Oh man. We get the last shot of Timothy's footage. The bears safely heading for their dens. The work, the work successful. I'm over 20 pounds lighter. My clothes are rags. I've tried hard. I bleed for them. I live for them. I die for them. I love them. And this is the the footage shot just few hours before he is killed yeah the bear comes into their camp while they're in their tent and just straight up enters he just walks right in and just fucks them up and that's how they died the last shot we fade out in the film and we see timothy walking on while the foxes follow him it's actually a very 
That's a very lovely scene, actually. Then it ends on a song. Willie is also singing the end song at the same time. Willie the pilot. Yeah. Now the longhorns are gone. gone. And the drovers are gone. gone. The Comanches are gone. gone. And the outlaws are gone. gone. Geronimo's gone. gone. And Sam Bass is gone. gone. And the lion is gone. gone. And the red wolf is gone. And Treadwell is gone. And I thought that was a nice touch. Because I guess Willie just liked that song. So, And that song... Bust a Move by Young MC. Bust it. Is Bust a Move by Young MC. Just bust a move. Damn, I took a lot of notes. Yeah, you did. Holy shit. It was a song by a guy named Bob McDill called Coyotes. Seemed like a nice little folksy number. And that's that film. Grizzly Man, the story of Timothy Treadwell and the story of Werner Herzog going through the weird life of Timothy Treadwell. Yeah. A kill. Bobby. You're, now that you've been fully Herzog gaped and you're good and loose for future Herzogs. I'm having a hard time sitting down right now. It'll go back to normal in time. Okay. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. Not stars. Herzogs. This is Herzog month. Also, this is the month Herzog was born. This is why we celebrate Herzog Month. Happy birthday, Werner. Happy birthday, Werner. We're going to combine our Herzogs for best out of 10 Herzogs. Akil, what did you think of this film, Grizzly Man, by Werner Herzog? It was a different kind of thing than I'm accustomed to watching. (laughs) Uh, So, first thing I want to say, we've talked about it already, but I really did enjoy the, the actual the rare moments of actual footage of just the location, the bears, nature, just naturing um, without any extra stuff. Like that was really cool. Um, He was obviously in a spot that a lot of people don't frequent. So, you know, a lot, not a lot of people have laid eyes on that stuff. So I did enjoy that. Uh, I did not enjoy the subject, the story of the subject itself. I enjoyed if that's, I don't know if enjoyed is a, I found it intriguing. Yeah. Um, while at the same time, really disliking the subject. <laughs> um, kind of, an, I think it's a normal reaction. Yeah, I mean, it's there was so much about him that bugged me that I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the documentary as a piece. I was so focused on him, which I'm sure he probably would very much appreciate it since he liked to be the focus all the time. Hard not to. When yeah, that guy's right. Um, I don't know. It was a weird sort of unsettling, but not in a bad way. I don't, I don't, I don't know how else to describe it. It was I'm, that type of narration where like, I don't want to use the term heavy handed, but it kind of was, but it seemed from, like it was, a, it seemed like it worked. Yes. And for some strange see, reason. Your experience. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Werner breaks all the rules and you find yourself eating it. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Um, it definitely, I, I do want to see some of his other stuff. I mean, 
it was intriguing, which mm-hmm. that's an accomplishment unto itself. Uh, a lot of Herzog narrations and other films kind of evoke his curiosity and passion. It's almost like you're getting a lot of things that are filtered through his perspective. In this one, he seemed to be more of the voice of reason in this one, which is yeah, he was, it, which is an interesting role for Werner to play. And I don't have anything to compare it to because right. obviously this is my first one of his movies. Um, so it doesn't seem abnormal to me, but I'm sure maybe that'll change when I see some of his other stuff. I mean, I enjoyed it as much as I can't stand that guy and I kind of don't care that he got killed by the bear. Oh. <laughs> Damn. I mean, Burn. <laughs> Light him up. Shit. It's not... <laughs> It's not that I don't care. It's it's kind of like his friend said, like, I'm not supposed Yeah. It's saying that he got what he deserves sounds harsh. Yeah. Initially, but when you really think about that statement. But what else was going to happen? He did get what he deserves. I mean, he yeah. hung out with bears. Like, that's, if you do that and you do it all the time, that's going to be the way you die more than yeah. likely. Um. So yeah, uh, man, I got nothing. You and fuck, you fuck a cobra, you're gonna get bit. Exactly. That's an old, that's an old folksy saying. Is it? You fuck a cobra, you're gonna get bit. That sounds like something Sylvester Stallone would say. Great movie, by the way. Oh right, Cobra. I wouldn't. Know. I've never seen it. We should use this time to promote Cobra, the Sylvester Stallone film. <laughs> never seen the movie, but it's got a cool poster. Sure. Yeah. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal. It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Uh, <laughs> so give it, I'm going three and three quarter stars. Cool. That's what I'm going to go with. That's a pretty good score for you, I would say. And um, gosh, I've seen a lot of Herzog movies at this point. And um, you're a Herzog expert. He may. I, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm not going to say fully, but I am on the way. And he's done just as much feature films as he has documentaries. But yeah, Werner is the rationalist in this film. He's not the one that's projecting his feelings of love and adoration or curiosity. And he's used to making nature films. He has nature films in his repertoire. And he's got some mad camera skills when it comes to capturing nature. But Werner is very consciously dealing with the balance of nature and the hubris of humanity at the same time. This is narrated by Werner, but it's also narrated by Timothy. And those voices balance out within it. And it's because, and Timothy's voice is so common that it makes the times when Werner comes in sometimes seem overshadowed, but also seem very important to provide some level of context to this. Because you see Timothy like, you know, petting a bear or hanging out with foxes. And you can be like, whoa, that's amazing. But really he was not doing something good. He was making these animals too used to human beings. And human beings are probably the worst animal on the planet. Folks, don't feed bears. Don't feed bears. Don't hang out with foxes. Yeah. I mean, I could see where the temptation with the foxes is. They're adorable. This is your first Herzog movie. I think for a lot of people, this is a lot of people's first Herzog movie. This is, I think, one of his more mainstream and well-known documentaries. Uh, This is one that people who maybe have watched it, but maybe will forget who Werner Herzog is as they go on with their life. I think a lot of people, yeah, this is a first Herzog movie for many people. 
And I'm glad you liked it enough because I don't know if it's the best Herzog movie. Well, actually, no, I don't think that because we've rated some higher. I know it'll be higher. But this one is just super interesting. And as much as we think Timothy, while well-intentioned, was wrong on so many levels, damn, this is a fucking interesting story. And Werner did manage to capture something better than I think a lot of people could have. All that footage. And and Werner also made it a point to explain that a lot of his ex- explanations on what he was looking at through the Timothy footage was from a filmmaker's perspective. So many layers of insights from the film- filmmaker's perspective of Werner to Timothy's hubristic projection of everything onto the natural world around him to the views of pilots and uh, museum curators in the local areas who have their own thoughts and views on what Timothy was doing for good or bad. There's just a lot of things in motion in this film and he packaged it in a really nice way. I think it's a solid four out of five Herzogs only a quarter up from where you were. So I think you're pretty much right as well. You take your 3.75 combine it with my four, 7.75 7.75 out of 10 Herzogs. I think that's a perfectly yeah. fine score for yeah. a Grizzly Man, for sure. And if only Timothy Treadwell were alive, so we can tell him what an idiot he is. Is he up there listening? He's all around us. He was scattered into the winds. You know he's in Bear Hill, which is actually quite mild. <laughs> Bear Hill is kind of chill. It's one step above, like, Gator Hill. I feel like I'd rather be in Bear Hill than Gator Hill. For sure. Yeah. The Koala Hill could be nice. Yeah. Oh, the koalas are actually pretty vicious. And you know, apparently they're like dying out. No shit. Yeah. How's that? They're not breeding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The animals that have distinct singular diets, like pandas eat bamboo and koalas eat eucalyptus. Yeah. Actually, slow breeding is actually a, de- a survival mechanism. Because they don't have enough friggin' food. Yeah, because if they fuck all the time, they're going to eat all the bamboo before it grows. Yeah, It's actually, it's us in violating their spaces and affecting their environments that's actually contributing to the fact that they are dying out. They're supposed to just only eat one thing and barely fuck. That's normal. That's a design flaw. Yeah. <laughs> Having one thing that you eat. <laughs> well, their evolution didn't... Uh, didn't account on uh you know modern man i suppose that blue whales like yeah krill that's it yeah you know you're gonna run out of that shit we're heating the oceans my friend oh my gosh <laughs> would that be wild if the blue whale went extinct in our lifetime i mean it's not like wasn't it i feel like whales were endangered when i was a kid i feel like that was a thing and then we sort of brought them back i uh, will have to watch know. the whale documentary another time Let's not get in a whale hole here. <laughs> Let's not get in this blowhole. What hole. about the dolphins? <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> what a way to go out. Booyah. Thank you, Akil. Thank you, Bobby. We'll see you next month. Keep on avoiding bears and letting bears uh, chill in their natural habitat. <clears throat> and uh, But if you're a bear sexual, that's fine. Kind of maybe find a way to transparent yourself away from the bears because the bears are just already the bears. What are, what the fuck am I talking about? I don't know. Keep on docking.
Willie and Jewel and Kathleen, they take a mixture of Timothy's ashes that's combined with bear hair and herbs. Yeah, it's like ash potpourri, basically. This is weird, but I thought, like, what what would a meat taste like if you, like, spiced that onto some meat and grilled it? Bear hair? Yeah, bear hair, <laughs> Timothy ashes, and then herbs and spices. <laughs> that's sick, man. It is. That's just sick. I'll probably edit it out. Even for you, that's sick. <laughs> and you go. Comedy.